prediction when he says, say what again? Yes. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You're going to use it today? I'm sure Lonnie's been planning on this for weeks. Last <laughs> week. <laughs> I'm excited to see all the things Lonnie has planned. Me too. I brought one piece of paper. Relax. Good. You're weird. All right. Welcome to this episode of the Just Get Right podcast. The goal of this podcast is to encourage free thought and debate about current topics and events from all sides. So we have... Is that what I wrote? That is exactly what you wrote. Is that... That's great. It was pretty good. That's good. It was, it was concise. Not your to the point. Wow. You should have done that the first time, Terry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Don't act like I didn't give you the opportunity. <laughs> all right. Without further ado... Let's welcome our guest. Hey, wait, wait, wait. We haven't decided on my screen yet. I was going to say, what do we I call you? I wasn't going to introduce you as anything. Okay. I was just going to say our guest is here today. We can, we can use Vern. Vern's a fine Okay. Man. If not Vern, he's been asked to be called Morpheus. <laughs> All right. So I do, notice I also took our names out of the interest because I don't really care if people know my name either. Yeah. But one of these days when we take off, if people want to send in, ask us the question. My aliases are all so flimsy that it would take anybody with any amount of skill roughly a minute and a half to shoot through them. I don't know. I think you've done a good job to this point, Lonnie. I don't know if I could find it. <laughs> you said the word. What? You used his name. We went through this whole thing for no. So now the last two minutes is a total waste of time. <laughs> Can we set up our first topic? For this? You're the guy who shouldn't say Voldemort, but keeps doing I am that guy. Because you know why? I'm an American. And I say what I want. And I said it without even thinking, so. I don't even know who I said. I say what I want, and I said that without thinking. So, if A equals B. There is nothing more American in this world than that statement. <laughs> It reminds me of Sonny. We've got a lot of very loud voices that have no idea what they were thinking. <laughs> so, Particularly because they were loudly speaking. Terry, you said, let's take us into the first topic. I thought we were trying to stay away from the, the script on this one. We just wanted to to go well, with we it. We never have a script. We have some bullet points, but we probably should lead into something. We can't just start so, talking about the end of the world without a setup. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we have to start talking about the biggest story this past week, which, in my opinion, is the Biden laptop is authenticated. And that is the topic. Yeah. And so because you can we will go for the entire time, probably just hitting every aspect of it because it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. We've gone this whole time and everybody won't let anybody talk about it. It was so obvious what was going on. It was clearly a cover up. It was clearly everybody working together to try to silence that story. You know, you had the, the what is it, Tony Bobolinsky or whatever, like all these people coming out with names and receipts and everything. And, and didn't, as long as the New York Times and Washington Post and everybody just completely ignored it, then it, it wasn't real. And so we have a, a presidential election where there's obvious conflicts of interest with the presidential candidate and they just don't talk about it. So uh, I, I think we're missing something there. That's not always. a conflict of interest. You have the groundwork for treasonous and seditious activity. Mm-hmm. That is, that's 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 not a conflict of interest. A conflict of interest would say, I have two separate businesses that I'm running, and now I'm competing against myself to force everybody else out of the market. Which I su- assume, if you're doing it at a government scale, is effectively the same thing. But no, no, no. It's the, the nicest way because because you got to still go to a. 
even if, so at this point in the if if you're in, in my opinion if you're a liberal that's watching this now and you're saying okay they've confirmed this we don't know. now they're going to go strictly to well maybe there's a little bit of a conflict of interest but who cares if Hunter Biden was making money off of whatever okay that's you're right because that is effectively correct but to not call an object by its name cheats it of its magnitude okay like. Let's say what something make an innocuous comment like let's say that there is a cheating scandal in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you don't want to call it that. You just want to say somebody has uncovered something that leads people to believe that there's conspiracy to keep this team in, a, in the playoffs as opposed to an actual organized cheating scheme that's in place point shaving all that sort of thing. What gets you the end result you require if you drag it out over the course of 3 years what should have been done in 3 weeks? Well, you buy time. Right, which is the incrementalist's way. Because now what will happen next with your uh, conflict of interest is the dilution. Because Finger Lakes, uh, all the different trafficking networks, all that stuff right now is currently blowing up the Twitters. Like all of those people are back out there throwing the most most extreme aspects of this that could be true that are not – I mean – Sorry if I'm going to take us off here, but – I've seen stuff about the Finger Lakes. Um, so we don't need to do it. It's a bad thing. Okay. To it. There's no. You don't need to deal in what could be. You deal with what is right now, because incrementally you will be slowly diffused across a thousand different paths instead of focusing on the true. obvious right in front of your face. Well, and what you have that's obvious and true is damning enough to overturn the current regime. Because they are compromised, they are politically. And you're biased. saying we've known that we knew that with with but Peter Schweitzer's book, we knew it with all this. proof and evidence. There's physical proof and evidence of the money making that's going on with Pelosi and Feinstein and everybody else that's connected to these other governments, and they still don't. Nobody stops it, right? You know, it's all this stuff's happening right in front of everybody's face. But I think the the main point of this and where i think it's the most interesting is what we what we kind of talked about the other day we get to this point now where you have the biggest most powerful companies in the world specifically the tech companies that say you flat out can't talk about this if you try to talk about this we will take you off the internet we will remove your accounts we will remove your voice from the platforms if you just talk about this because of a made up thing it was obvious. They're saying this was hacked material. They're saying this was all these things, and they're saying you can't talk about this because whatever reason they make up, and everybody just has to say okay. And so now we get to the point where anybody that's not even closely paying attention can see, okay, now this is true. So if this was true, then how are we supposed to ever trust you? This isn't like the little things, which now, and I probably shouldn't say that because that's sugarcoating the fact that. We did a Russian investigation for conspiracy while Trump was elected to, to the president's office. And we went through that for two and a half years, $25 million for something we already knew the answer to. Have you seen a new omnibus bill? The $25 million was a bargain. I've heard about it, and I think that that's part of all the news stories this week is because you didn't hear a lot of people talking about the, the signing of that. Holy crap. Another $1.5 trillion that their government's going to spend – when we're already seeing record inflation, but then well, they'll say, if, okay. if you think this is going to increase inflation. Well, then. but I, I, think that, I think the inflation is actually the thing that deserves the least press because all they've really done from you, and granted, it's inflation. I understand that it's inflation, but all this is is a systematic war on savings. You are eliminating, you are starving out 
fiscally responsible people and you're doing it in real time in such a way that people have no way to prepare for the things that they're getting ready to take away from them. You're going to see a war for food and transportation within the next two or three years, hopefully two or three years, that you aren't going to have a way to sidestep the digital economy that will be set up to implement their solutions to the food and transportation problems that they are in the process of laying out in front of us right yes. now. So where's that any different? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, you know, this is, I've talked about this on these episodes before, you know, that this is no longer a, a obviously stupid administration. That's just making a bunch of bad decisions. This is engineered coordinated destruction and they're going after everything that makes Every, not just America, but all countries weaker. So you go after the food, you go after fuel, things that people have no choice to, but to pay for. And when you think about the food stuff, that's stuff I think is, was really interesting when I was listening to that, that Curry podcast. It's, it's so true. You know, the thing that he said that, that is like etched in my mind, because it's something we all knew, but it's like now it's just it was so plain and simple how he said it. Why did America struggle so badly with COVID versus everybody else? We are in awful shape. Yeah. For for us being the most wealthy country in the world, we are like terrible with what we eat and how we do it. And we're supposed to be all these smart people. All we've done is just like the reverse engineering that we do on washing machines and everything else. We used to be able to Maytag could make a washer and dryer that would last for seventy years, and now all of a sudden you can't get one that's gonna last you for more than six years. And they just make it cheaper, so you go buy another one. It's not worth paying the guy to come out and fix it if you can even find somebody to do it. You just well, go buy anyone. The number of times we've heard people, our seniors and the boomer generation, describe that as be, uh, uh, the net positive. We've grown up in an environment where people believe that disposable consumerism is a net good because we can afford to do it. Whereas a durable society isn't subject to the whims of tyrants. And what this comes down to is we have allowed... allowed the complete, I'm going to say a word, and you tell me the last time you've heard a politician or a corporate entity talk about it in a way that was above a third grade level. Value. That um, word is the new boogeyman. Because they want to redefine everything underneath the word value so that when it reemerges, it's in their terms. Progressives are tremendously capable wordsmiths. There was a point where to be a classical liberal would be what a postmodern conservative is now. Not a neocon, fuck those guys. But for God's sake, understand the people you're playing with. They lay things out in, in staging that we would not necessarily do because their plan, yeah. I wouldn't come up with it on my own. What I think, well, and I've been saying this for a while too because I think it's it's interesting and I see it more and more recently <laughs> – because it all it's just PR and branding. That's all any of this is. It's all a show. It's all Hollywood all the time. It's none of it's real. It's all fake. It's all coordinated movements, co- coordinated speeches, coordinated drops of news. Like they use all of those levers. You use a celebrity to do something to distract at this place. You use sports to distract over here in some other way. But it goes back to Mad Men in my mind. You get to early when we're when we're pushing consumerism and it's it's a battle for how do I get people to buy my product you get all these people going to New York to, to go to these people to make these grand um, um, marketing schemes for them and you get people branding like for Kellogg's and for 
for Crest and for all these all these brands that now are so ingrained in our society that that's just you recognize it. They play games. Uh, the kids do where it'll pop up a logo and you got to be the first one to name the brand. And that's fun for us. And it's like, the reality is it's the, that's what's wrong with things. It didn't matter. It it was, how do you push this way to make more and more profit? And you can do it by marketing a less valuable product, a less good product, because as long as you make it shiny and, and sparkly and awesome, and you make people believe that that you will be like this person, or like you. They, that was where you started to shift people's minds to get them locked on a brand. But the more that you were marketing, was probably the less value or the less good inherently that product was. Because less quality. If it's a very good. If it was a very good product, you don't have to market a lot. People just naturally want it. And that's where I, I don't remember where I heard it this week, but um, somebody saying that the the value or how good your food is, is inversely proportionate to how much they market it. So the more they pay for marketing, it's probably the shittier that food is. Yeah. Because inherently, your body wants something that's good. Your body's going to ask for something that says, I need these types of things. So you don't need to sell your body on a strawberry. Your body knows what's in that strawberry, and it's going to kind of want those types of foods. Your body doesn't want Taco Bell. But they'll blast that at you to make you believe you want Taco Bell. Your brain says you want Taco Bell, but your body's not asking. I don't know. I'll have like three or four of these and my body's asking for Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Three three or four of these is uh, making your brain not work that well anymore. True. specific reason he doesn't want Taco Bell. You combine enough Mexican beer and Taco Bell, you're going to have other needs. Yeah. But the point of all this is we're getting to a point where – you're we're we're just buying whatever we're being sold and, well, and it's getting easier and easier they just put out a new thing and people just blindly say okay let's go with that when london fell as the financial capital after world war ii when we basically bankrupted britain with war loans and war bonds and all of that came home to new york and to some degree chicago la places like that became new financial hubs we began to see opportunity cost as a cost of la- within terms of labor costs as well because we had a first tier first world production based economy but for a slight change in ch- transportation and logistics you're able to trade all that away make a higher slightly higher margin as embarrassingly low amount in the net when you think about it but still a higher margin shipping things all over the planet as opposed to making them here and exporting them. Yeah, that, it's just a simple imbalance between labor savings and logistics costs. Right, right. But, but logistics costs if are relatively low of, at that point. But if it, to a corporate level, at one-tenth of a percent over the course of billions of dollars is enough money for them to get a, sure. enough. Yeah, it, outsourcing is all about labor. That's all it's ever been. So if you look at it from a person of my political bent, you, corporate profiteering occurs at the expense of exploited labor and capital. I wouldn't go, like... Well, because that's an extreme statement to make. It's an extreme statement to make. But it is inherently true. I, I, I would have a counterpoint to that. 
because if it's the because the counterpoint is the standard of living within that space and their actual cost of living, which is valid. There is there's improvements to be made from our expanding into those other areas. If if we aren't paying, yes, we get cheaper labor than if it was done here, but those areas being completely undeveloped, what which we could unpack that in itself. But the standard of living improves in any areas where there becomes industrialized efforts, which is why the U.S. does have things where they incentivize certain countries to be used and give trade deals for certain. Because if you develop in those countries and you incentivize factories to go there, the reality is still for like a lot of things like textiles, there's just not enough people in this country that want to do that work. And it's relatively cheap to do elsewhere. Are we willing to pay them to do that work? Well, what's going to be interesting – well, so event, at the beginning, outsourcing made sense in a lot of those ways. But that's what's been interesting over the past couple of years because what you're really starting to see is the rest of the world reacting back to that to say, if you can make the supply chain costs heavy enough, that you're going to have to start making people look at their model to say, is this the best model? Now, for some people, they're going to have to say, well, it's still our best model because we have labor shortages of our own here. We couldn't bring production here if we wanted to, but that depends on your industry. Tier one automotive makers, they're bringing business back because they're saying, we can do that. We used to do that. We have a plant right over here. We could just put that. And you've seen people do that. You've seen factories now or big companies air charter in entire lines from other places so that they could solve their own water pump issue or some other issue that they were having keeping keeping auto plants running so you can do that in that industry you can't do that with towels and and socks and t-shirts and all this other stuff yes that's made and there is some made in the u.s but for the same reason that it was a legitimate criticism during the 16 election when people were attacking trump saying trump's ties were made in indonesia okay that's true but if everybody you're competing against ties are made in indonesia that's where they come from you can't compete. You can't like, and so now that's when you go to like the Jocko stuff or where you talk about, yes, you could do that stuff in America. If you had enough people in America that said, I'm willing to pay more no, for this quality. It's item. not just that it's institutional memory because we have lost and are almost generationally lost. The last bit of institutional memory that still remembers how to produce basic products which is the larger point of what this comes to late or last is so once they're able to successfully destroy food production what are you going to do i i'm not a farmer i don't i don't like farming i'm not interested in it i'm not going to do that yeah but it seems as though as a successful backstop for what in our modern age is a relatively large family it might be the only recourse to protect myself against the people who want to reduce everything to a stakeholder mindset. I can't grow stuff, but I think I could keep animals alive, and I think that's a better place to go, and then I'd just live like the liver king. <laughs> but I think what you say is really interesting because I know this from my time in automotive. A lot of the Chinese model is... Chinese companies will buy up manufacturing facilities here and in other countries. Chinese state-owned companies? They're Chinese, Chinese companies, but they're, all but they're all state-owned. 
So you have a Chinese company buy out another another factory, or or I will use this example, and I won't use our name, but there is a glass manufacturer that is a Chinese glass manufacturer. They came to the U.S. and bought one of one of the biggest float glass operations in the country, and restored it and got it running, and then. They also bought fabrication sites to make auto glass. What they do, and so the company that I was working for was an auto glass manufacturer. They were a Japanese company, right? It was a Japanese-owned company. The factories, the factories in in the Tennessee area were were, were from the beginning. from the beginning of that partnership. It started as a partnership, I think, with some of the Japanese automakers, and then they bought the float glass plant in Nashville, Tennessee, which was formerly a Ford-owned site. Ford used to own their own glass plants and, and their own processes. And then eventually they got out of the business and you had a tier one come in. Anyways, the whole point is these the Chinese companies will come in and they'll buy these plants and then they'll start bidding for business. And they bid the business at a loss because it doesn't matter if they lose money, China will subsidize them to keep them running. The whole game is it's a long game for the five to ten years. If you keep winning all these bids, then you can keep building these plants, buying more capital equipment so you're better off. And then little by little, you put each of those other companies out of business because they can't compete. So they lose the program. So you're bidding for you know, the, the Toyota Camry windshield. And these guys are coming in at $20 cheaper per windshield. And everybody else that bid on it was within a dollar or two of each other. You got to say, well, how's that possible? How can they be that much cheaper? And it's, they'll go in and they'll inspect the process and they'll say, well, it looks like they can do it. It looks like their samples are good and everything else. And then they win that bid. And now you do that enough times and you're going to put one of those businesses out. Each, each couple rounds of bids, they're just going to say, we can't keep operating anymore. So once you take over the market share because you put everybody out of business with your low rates. Now you own the industry and now you can do whatever you want. So it's the same thing they've done in drug manufacturing with all the generics and everything like that. We get to a point where it's like, yeah, we don't want to do that here. We'll just ship it over and have China do it. Or we don't want to do that here. We'll just send it over to Vietnam. And once we've done that, and to your point, now that we've done that for 20 or 30 years, you get to the point where it's like, well, we couldn't make it. We couldn't do it if we tried now. So they have they have the market cornered at this point. So we are dependent on them for pretty much everything. So between that being a way to dry up our own industry and what we voluntarily do to ourselves to self-limit in the name of the environment, we will impose a regulation upon ourselves that we don't expect of the rest of the world. Because so. they want us to lead by example. That's what typical liberals will say. Is that we should lead by example? Okay, I'm gonna. I don't. I don't face value people a whole lot. But I don't believe they mean that. That's what they say. I don't care what people yeah. say. Well, that that's what you have to learn. I'm just saying that's what Bill Maher said oh, on. Okay, okay. Bill Maher's okay. a disingenuous piece of shit. Like, I he's probably the most decent liberal on the planet. I still think he's a uh, hypocritical piece of shit. Like, yeah, he doesn't exist in the real world where anything actually matters to him that he cares about. He can say he does. That's great. Good for Bill Maher. Don't care. Uh, I, I mean, what's the point? Like, why Make sure we get that one. Why, why, yeah, that's there. Yeah, that's, that's an Instagram. Uh, uh, Josie, go check and make sure the camera's still on. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, there's no point in using that. Like grounding your, the basis of any argument you have 
with that as your diametric opposition is just a waste of time because then you have to fill all that gap with viable material. That's not necessary. Our regulation is heavily influenced by outside lobbying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who owns most of our manufacturing? People who can afford to lobby. So at this point, everything that you do that those people can already absorb their own losses on is great. Everything you can do that drives our own prices up is great. Guess what's going to happen to you in about five to ten years? We're going to lose almost every good refrigerant on the planet. We've already said it's going to happen. So all you guys sitting back on old air conditioners, good luck, folks. Hey, can you help me get a new air conditioner, by the way? <sighs> Fine. But, and I think I need to do one for the upstairs separate. Yeah, it is warm in here. It's balmy. Always. But... Yeah, I didn't take the sweatshirt off today, and I am. uh, I feel like it's it's nicer. I can't. It's too loud. It's too loud. (laughs) That's why we don't do the fan. Okay, well then, fix that. But anyway, so they're getting ready to tell us. Like, let's play a shell game for a second. Back in the '80s, as I remember as a child, I remember watching programs concerned about the decimation of the ozone layer. Right? Mm -hmm. They took away. Three, uh, four to seven, really, but three tremendous refrigerants. They were chemical miracles. Uh, R11, 502, and 12, and 22. 22 is a really good gas, too, for all you nerds watching. But particularly you do I think Thomas Watson will know what you're talking about. Yeah, I feel like he's blowing up the comments right now. <laughs> he probably is. He's <laughs> like, I thought this week was going to be better. <laughs> but so what, the, what they did is they, they made us retool, retool an entire, entire industry, right? We, and we did at a higher cost. We retooled for things. We used subpar products that were harder to work with that ran every single person on the planet's repair bills up and installation costs up over the course of a generation. Everybody's been paying for it. haven't realized it because of a term of ODP, ozone depletion percentage. Well, overnight within the business, that term disappeared. And now what you see is GWP, global warming potential. So isn't they, that even out of not as bad at this point? Oh, wait, it gets better than that. It gets better than that. So they told us. Well, you that, never let me guess earlier when you said guess. Okay, fine. Okay. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, which is rare. Terry's <laughs> just been waiting to guess. <laughs> <laughs> so they told us it was going to take 75 to 85 years for the full reckoning of all of the chlorofluorocarbons we pumped into the atmosphere to have the full wreaking of havoc upon the ozone layer, that we wouldn't even see that by the time I was an old man, right? Within six years of their ban of these gases, the hole closed. And, okay, we're speaking in generalities, for God's sake. It's, As in, it was actually... There was, a, there was an improvement, okay? So but an improvement they weren't expecting. Yeah, it, it doesn't match their model. Okay, so let's go back to the people who model global warming, okay? Climate so, change. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the people who modern. Words matter because we all know that it's not global warming anymore, so they had to change their words. Anyways, sorry. Let's bring up China. But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So now what you're going to be sold on is the fact that all of these carbon-containing refrigerants are going into the environment and driving up climate change <laughs> for the sake of all the nerds in the room. So they're going to take away – all of the substitute gases that they invented over the course of a generation to make everyone in the world comfortable. You go back and listen to John Kerry's speeches like three years ago. He was already on the bus getting ready to take these gases away when they were campaigning against Trump the last time. 
and they've already changed the regulations. Go to Menards tomorrow and buy a little chest freezer or deep freezer. You know what you're going to see on the back of that? Cyclopentane. They are putting flammable refrigerants into every single machine that goes into every single house on the planet now. And there's there's uh, weight restrictions, like volume restrictions, that they are now starting to try to change the laws on so that they can use more and more of it. So that when you look at all of these people who do all of these things with massive amounts of refrigerant. Fight club. Oh, man. Fight club on a mass scale that you just see everybody blowing their houses up. Well, I mean, there's a zero containment possibility. Like, you've just made, okay, so they took a, a job that was already kind of hard to do. Playing with refrigerants isn't fun. So they get, where, are we, where do we go with this? Where do we come from? What do you mean? He sucks for this. He always where, does this. I, I'm lost. Where are we going? We'll, we'll okay. Just let him go. Well, because this is the terms that regulation tends to play out over time. So 50 years ago, if you wanted to be comfortable, the process was relatively simple and cheap. Yeah. Because we could produce all of the materials ourselves, implement all of the materials ourselves, and they were relatively simple and straightforward to work with. But every year, it's like automotive regulation. I drive a classic mid-engine sports car. Oh, God. I will post a picture of it. There will be a picture on it. So, however you feel about that may be what it is. I think people will feel very turned on. (laughs) I do not drive an electric vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) Not fuel efficient. Well, it's not electric. But according to regulation, you can no longer build that vehicle. Is there anything wrong with that vehicle? No. Is it intrinsically unsafe? No. Well, potentially, but not really. Okay. It's on the lower end of the safe vehicle. So it's edgy. (laughs) It's basically made of plastic. It requires competency to drive it. Let's say that. But the larger object in a collision always wins. Yes. And especially one that's particularly taller than the tire. But our our, our guest is so big and bulky that he can't be in too big of a car because then he becomes too dangerous to the road. When he gets into that car, he looks like King Koopa. (laughs) 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 You would be, you've never been in it. No. I I look like Luigi. Oh, for God's sake. I love it. But what's happening is we are in the process of our own people regulating things out of our hands to the, to the notion, notion of other people's ultimate end goals. And their end goal is what? Why, why do all these things that are going to weaken us to the point where we collapse? Look what at all is the people the we've turned into second world and third world countries. Yeah, but why turn everybody into second and third world countries? Why do why is do Ukraine them? one of them? Huh? Is Ukraine one of those? No. Uh, well, I would call Ukraine a soft spot, like Argentina. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just an easy place to be without a bunch of oversight. Like, there's only two things that operate freely in the mob. Well, three things, counting the Nazis. But with literal Nazis, like actual Nazis. Um, the mob and the State Department. And if you want a Venn diagram that shows the different, or the CIA here and the State Department here, it's, it's one circle. It's like the same people. What? What are they going to do? If, if at this point, if they assassinate me, it only proves me right. So good luck, folks. I wasn't talking about that. I was, it was more the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that a shame? Less, less the, I did think you were doing a shame. Anyways. But, I mean, it seems to me you're not going to get guaranteed proof on this. Like the you're Biden not going to get guaranteed proof on anything. So the laptop, but that's what's interesting. Plausible though. deniability. At this point, they but put Okay, but why now? Why do they let it out now? Because why do they, they? Why do they admit it now? Well, 
Nobody because it's been we've seen the pictures. Nobody has admitted it. New York Times did. Eh, they, they said it might be a thing. No, they said that they've authenticated stuff from that laptop at this yeah, point. Yeah, but even that isn't to say that they admit that it's a completely legitimate phenomenon. They have hedged it's their a, bets even in the admission because now you can argue argue for the rest of time about how legitimate and fractionate that across the spectrum of possible truths. The solution to the pollution is the dilution. Yeah, but at this point, we've there's a major – they've admitted it enough. People are going to be able to say, no, this was validated. So now people like Fox or Breitbart or any of these others that are, are right-wing media sites mm-hmm. can say exactly as they have. New York Times finally admits that this has been real. And you and let everybody argue, start talking. And we can argue till the end of time about what they've admitted. That's really all you're doing. Is your defi- your yeah, but but, about- but why? But I don't feel like just having them argue about the topic is enough. When I think there's more coming, and they had to start softening well, the blow. That, here. Potentially, but still, you're just uh, like you send you send John Stewart out before all of the inevitable COVID. Well, but I mean, nonsense again, finally starts dropping. Dilution. So long as you continue to dilute whatever yeah. message escapes. Yeah. They're softening. They're to- they're tra- they're tossing a bunch of pillows out there now. So they got their benefit from you delaying know, all of this. You know the best pillow that you could use for that, right? The my pillow. Got four of them. <laughs> and if Mike Lindell ever sees this and he wants to advertise on our program, we would love to advertise for you, Mike. So give us. A this shout. could be a my pillow <laughs> for my sciatica. Do they do? I don't know if they do those. I do need to get more. I'm, my next towel purchase is going to be a my pillow. Yeah, maybe. Maybe for your birthday. When it comes around again Um, in about 340 some days. Not even that far. Um, Yeah, I I just feel like we, we, there's a reason. And there's more that's going to come. Obviously, they're trying to just slowly, they're trying to slow play this. But I do think some of this comes back to what's going on in Ukraine. Because I think at this point, I do agree, and it kind of goes along with the laptop and how they handled that. It's like it, it's fake, and you're not you're going to get kicked off the internet until it's well, it's not really fake anymore. And I feel like that's what we're seeing. We saw it with COVID. We saw it with the election. We see it with with this. We now we're into Ukraine itself. What do you do when it's all the same thing? It is all the same thing. That's that's the point. Every time you get close to part of their plan. When early before, when you had total media control and they could just use the term conspiracy theory to shut down anybody that was getting close, you you had more control. Now the idea is they can't control all the information anymore. So all they got to do is attack anybody saying things that they shouldn't be saying and they just remove your voice. And so now you get to the point where Ukraine has been known and everybody talks about corruption, but they use corruption as just this broad kind of murky word and it's kind of underbelly kind of stuff, but they won't really say what that stuff was. Well, the corruption was what was going on with the prior administrations and how they were buying and selling everything in Ukraine, things they should be doing, things they shouldn't be doing. But, you know, anybody that pays attention has heard Biden's involvement with getting people removed from office there. You know that that Hunter Biden, how coincidence, it's just a weird coincidence Coincidence. that Hunter Biden worked for this company and was making millions and millions of dollars off of them. And this happens to be the country that all of a sudden is getting invaded. You know, I, 
and this is where we've talked about a lot of this stuff, that the Ukraine and Russia is not this simple thing that they want it to be. And when I've had big tech and mainstream media all lie about all these other things, and now they're the same people that say you're allowed to hate Russia and you and all these things. Everybody now it's it's not black boxes and anything else on Instagram. It's, you gotta put up the Ukraine flag. Now we're all behind Ukraine. It's like nobody wants to see any humanitarian crisis. Nobody wants to see anybody getting killed. Nobody wants to see war. But you can't just take their word for it. And if no. they're telling me to believe this way, I'm sorry. At this point, I'm kind of conditioned to say, clearly run the somebody, other way. Yeah. Clearly, somebody wants to see war. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. How do you feel about um, the seizing of wealthy Russians or their oligarchs' assets? We're touching the wrong people, probably. I mean, it's stupid. You, you, you're setting a press. You're using an extreme to set a precedent because the people they mean to target with that are you and I. But I think that's the point. Well, I think it's, they, they, if they do that and set the precedents, now they can do it at a different point. Look, and at a certain yeah. point, now they can use it against us. That's something that actually Tucker talked about at some point this week, where it's like if you just now all of a sudden you can start taking people's yachts and planes. They're just regular citizens because you said so. Because you said they might have did this, that, or whatever. What makes what gives the U.S. a right to go over into the U or into Russia and say you're not allowed to do business your way? It's the exact opposite of how Bob Iger and and Michael Bloomberg talk about doing business in China. It's like, well, when you're in China, you know, we got to follow their rules if we're going to be there. It's okay, but they're doing terrible things. Well, it's their country, and if we want to do business there, then we have to follow their rules. Well, then now don't they, do business there. Now all of a sudden the U.S. is allowed to say, well, you're an ol- oligarch that we don't like and you have too much money. We're just going to seize all of your stuff that we can get access to. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. We've created a lot of monsters over uh, a tremendous amount of time. Every time we have supposedly defeated some foreign entity, we incorporate a part of their technological and scientific discoveries into our own hoarded stockpile of things we have that we say, oh, excellent, like the warehouse in uh, Indiana Jones or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, like, <laughs> that's and, and, funny because that second one of our watchers will actually know that reference because we talked about it earlier this week. Yeah. Oh, good. I miss him. We've got a customs and border protection yeah. kind of thing that we were discussing that they do. Customs does have giant warehouses of just stuff they've seized and – Kind of well, uses they want. It's kind of like a it's like a wardrobe closet in a movie set where it's just like you just go in there and kind of pick. Well, we big need, lost and need found. a couple of these things today. We need a couple tuxedos and everything else. And you just walk in there. But with with the U.S. government, they've just got yeah, we seized all this stuff. Got, yeah, I mean, I think we're getting to the point though where it's it's critical mass because huh, we were never built to be an empire. We were never built we, – we've, we've heard all of these things about American imperialism, right? And to some degree, I kind of look and go, oh, mm, kind of sort of mostly bullshit. But then you do the math and you start looking through those receipts and it's like, well, there was a lot of countries that did really well until we got there. Yep. And then we went there and now they don't do so good. But they pay us money and they use our products, which were really Chinese-made products but run through our corporations. And our corporations handle the logistics, but they pay other countries to actually man the ships – so are we profiteering? I was like, because basically what we're talking about is the opium wars, but without the opium, or unless there is opium and they just don't tell us there's opium, like, where do you really put your feet down on how to feel about the country you're paying your taxes to? 
the interesting part of, of that debate, though, is because that's that's a that's not a simple this or that. There is there is a line to be moved in all of human history, in trade and the growth all came from that. There was logistics and supply chain involved in all of those things. It was just people having natural resources. But then you see the empire that was like all of the empires, the Romans, you know, Greeks, Romans. Eventually, what what England became when they colonized the world, and it, you know, and, and there's a lot of people. Some of this is the broad spectrum of they don't teach kids real history anymore, and we we even got history light when you start to realize it's like that's why when you hear some of these arguments from some of these colleges, it's not that it's wrong, because what's what's the problem is they teach things that they don't teach kids at a younger age. But they remove all the other context. They don't leave the context of both. And that's what I was talking about. Like if you do, and I know you've done some of the Hillsdale classes, they don't eliminate all the bad stuff. Like I get when you're when you're talking, when you're teaching kids in second and third grade about how the US was founded, you're probably gonna gloss slightly over, yeah, we pretty much exterminated a lot of Indians in the way. But they were, there was, there's two sides to that. Now, it doesn't mean we were right. We were definitely colonizing, and we had the guns. They didn't. It wasn't a fair fight. But you get that throughout all of humanity. It's happened throughout all of history, and everybody that's progressed. And the problem is where progress is going at this point is going to a level of well, they, there's no good humanity. Left. They're, they're, they're removing... They've told you what they want the progress to be. The progress is ultimately transhumanism. Yeah. What is that? Uh, moving beyond flesh. Where it's basically... you're, in, It's kind of where you've already got... Some Hardcore of the, Matrix stuff. Like, you're jacked into the system. Yeah. Where, you, where you have Elon Musk and others. Where you're talking... Once you start talking about implanting into your neurosystem... All by yourself. You put a chip in here. So instead of you holding a phone, it starts with the next technology is, why do I have to hold this phone? It's just why can't I just wire it directly into me? And so now I don't have to ask Google and look at my phone. I just ask myself the question. Google looks it up with the computing power of the entire web and gives me the answer in my head. But the problem with that is obvious. Who's returning the answer? Look up something on Google right now. If you type Trump, you're going to get a hundred stories that are negative before you could find anything that's positive. It doesn't mean there's nothing positive out there. It's just that's how they return the results. So when you start connecting to that level, you know they have gotten to the point. Um, I don't know if you ever went and watched it, but they that um, um, I saw the guys that that were promoting it, and it was on uh, Bannon's War Room, which I do not watch on a regular basis, but I did see that one, and they kind of take you. 10 to 15 to 20, 30, 40 year jumps on where they're trying to grid this stuff. But the way that it grids it out is basically saying you start with something on trying to make us more intelligent while at the same time you've got all the AI that's being created and you've got AI already reproducing. You can have AI reproduce. So then they're talking about once you start getting to that level, then AI is going to need their own web. You're going to break two sets of internet, basically, because AI is only going to be able to communicate with themselves at a higher frequency or a higher level than we can until you get to the point that literally we're almost Terminator where they're saying, well, what do we need you guys for? It's not even a what do we need. 
it's a completing interest. Uh, ultimately, you can't exist in the same space because there's nothing we are going to do that benefits AI. We are ultimately an obstacle. Well, and you get the matrix argument, which is, are we, what are we? Other, other than, than organic. And we just go to areas and destroy. Yeah. We use up all the resources and do we really make things better? And I, 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 I mean, we're way down that road. I, I, to bring it back to kind of where we're at now, there's a whole lot that's going on right now. And it's going to be hard to – I the part of the – a lot of the doomsdayers are basically saying it's already done. And it probably is already done. The only thing I would say is most of the things you were talking about with empires and, and, and colonization and all that stuff – in terms of the U.S.'s imperialism, was all pretty much, like you said, it was Teddy Roosevelt and on. You know, when Teddy, Teddy was the one that was going into Panama and doing all the, all the stuff at, down in, in there to, to <laughs> overthrow government so he could get the Panama Canal created and all that, that was, other stuff. That was our, the beginning of interventionism. We had eminent domain. Eminent domain really ruled the land for the first hundred years. Like the second Washington was in the dirt. We said, hey, you know what we should really do? There's all this ground to the west. What can we do to justify our going there? And we did a bunch of interesting things to create internal turmoil to make sure that people continued their westward expansion. That's fine. That's a different, that's a different argument. It's not great either. It really, we, if you want to talk about in the postmodern sense how we never really seem to keep our word to the people we make sw- sworn statements to, roughly the same uh, amount of truth in those statements we made then as compared to what we make now. Like when we told Russia when they dissolved, never east of, or never yeah, never east of the Elbe, and then five years later began taking Poland and all these other places and making the pathway for them to get into NATO, maybe there's a reason people don't believe us. Maybe maybe that exists. And then when Putin comes out and says it out loud that we said those words because they have, you know, transcripts and such of important mm-hmm. meetings where people tell you that if you don't challenge the reunification of Germany, which is a big deal because the bulk of your forces are in Germany at the time, and you agree to let that peaceably happen on the precondition of nothing ever east of the Elbe, but then you absorb them up to their border, perhaps you're going to have grounds for maybe a little bit of a disturbance. Right. So, Well, and that's where I think some of the stuff with the Russia words, there's some pretty obvious that they won't let you say. Because what they've done is made anybody fearful to say, well, again, and I have be, because they've done this, I've said, I'm not arguing on behalf of Russia. But that's what they've conditioned everybody to do. Where you really can't, if you want to say anything about the other side of that argument that's not the Ukrainian argument, then you are branded already. You're a Russian apologist, you're a Putin apologist. And they got Pence out there, it, it's something down, like, they're, they're literally out there trying to make you afraid to even ask the question or even say, but wait a second, why would Putin just just all of a sudden start going, running roughshod against the world and all this other stuff? What if he's the what, last nationalist? Well, well, and what if it's not, what if Putin has been telling these people, here are things you guys cannot do. This was our agreement. Our agreement was, you, because remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago where we're saying, We made an agreement between us, USA, UK, Russia, and Ukraine for Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons, but 
the agreement was that we were going to protect them from Russian invasion. So on its face, this looks like, well, now Russia's getting involved. We were supposed to protect Ukraine because we made this deal. Well, what if the problem is that, that Putin's been saying for three or four years, Ukraine cannot be in NATO. That breaks our deal. You guys are breaking the deal, not me. And they don't talk about that. They won't let people go down the road of saying, this is a lot about everybody trying to push Ukraine into NATO and NATO saying they wanted to be in there. Whether or not Zelensky's authentic or not, that was that that was kind of the push. And so then what's the first thing that happens when Russia invades? They go to they go and say, you guys need to do an emergency session and let us into NATO and come protect us. You know, it to me it's just not that simple. They they Zuby said something. Do you follow him? A little bit. He had a comment the other day that was basically like the media wants to put out incredibly complex issues and basically only give you a binary choice on how you're going to look at it. It's the easiest way to control people. Yeah. Stupid so you people. get this issue going on in Ukraine. It's, it's a very complex issue on what's going on there. Now, does it make it right for, for Putin to be bombing hospitals and everything else? No. And if that's actually happening, then that's wrong. But I still say I don't believe what I'm seeing coming out of there. I don't believe it's that simple. And we see how many – we see – you can make a movie that looks real now, Hunger totally games. real. You but can make it look like it is Hunger exactly games. what's – This is just Russian Hunger Games. Yes. And so like everybody wants to say, well, just because I saw some image coming out that's a, a heart-wrenching image from Ukraine, does it mean it's real? We got they were reusing. They were reusing clips from. We got burned by the ghost of Kiev in the first week yeah. by video game footage, and every postmodern neocon is out there going, "What a badass!" Okay, hoser, you need to sit the hell down and stop drinking bushlight. Yeah. Like, just knock it off. We're being sold a Kids bunch here. of crap. We are being sold shit, and shit, and it doesn't mean that some of it's not real. But all I'm saying is. We got to be real careful to be sitting here saying we think all of this stuff is absolutely true and happening when you really don't know. This stuff's going on halfway across the world in a country that's always been part of the underbelly of the world. Well, it's the underbelly of the world because it is unregulated. Correct. Like that's but how? But again, and so do you believe Fox News? Like well, they, I did, they they had some people die, and I believe them when they say that. But it doesn't mean. There's not more to what's happening than what people are reporting, but you have a bunch of reporters over there that are telling us what's going on. And all I'm saying, it goes back to the laptop, the the primary point. If they lied to us about all these other things, if they wouldn't let us talk about these real things, how can you really believe what people are telling us now is going on over there? Okay, take it a little, basically an iteration further than that. So we've got two full years of COVID, Okay. 80% of the bulldozers responsible for pushing the shit around did exactly what you would expect the state to want them to do. There was the occasional one that would allow and from time to time push counter-narrative. It was rare. It was opportunist. You can kind of see motivations within people doing specific things for specific reasons. But now, even every form of the opposition is in lockstep. And that is unnerving because that is no longer news. That isn't news. That's generally speaking what propagandists do. And 
if you have uniformity, like apparently Zelensky just took all, I think it's 11 networks, yeah, and merged them into one government platform for news dissemination. It's like because okay. they have to have a united front, is what he says. Yeah, well, I mean, he's being paid to say it. He probably said it. So, I mean, the, honest to God, this is like the Rick and Morty skit where they're talking about, well, I'll, yeah, I could do that for money. Like, this is where we're at with some of this because I don't see the truly genuine article worth of pursuit in all of this conflict. So let's get to the money question then um, for because we're well into this. What do you believe the actual end game is over in Russia and Ukraine? What do you what do you, play it all out? Well, think about I what, think it's all descriptive to what's going to happen. Well, think about what makes sense right now. What are the actions we've seen, and where? How do we hear it described? At this point, Russia acted unilaterally, which is only okay when we do it. Yeah, like right. You're supposed to have a signed resolution from the United Nations Security Council and a declaration of war from Congress. Typically. We don't have time for that shit. Yeah. Like, we've been bombing Yemen for two and a half years. We're not even in a state of conflict with them. We just hit Somalia again for the first time since, like, 02. Uh, nobody apparently knows why. Well, it's cool that we did it, but good luck, everybody. Yeah. So, so let's look at what we know has happened. The news tells us that Russia has acted unilaterally and recklessly and that their attack has stalled and bogged down, right? What were the first things they did? They went after all rail and logistics leaving the country. That is what was widely reported, was they isolated them so that they couldn't have regular commercial air travel, couldn't have standard rail travel for any amount of heavy freight, and made sure that their very limited, like, backwoods-ish highway system is very well controlled at this point. Mm -hmm. And they did it using their reservists. They did not send in front lines. They did it primarily without fixed-wing aircraft support. So they used a bunch of helicopters. There was some fixed wing. I'm not saying, but it's like they don't, they have the ability, they don't have the same flight hours as we do, but they have the ability to run joint strike command, just like to some degree at a lesser capability than our Air Force does. But they, they're capable of doing that. They can put operators on the ground with special operations and coordinate airstrikes. They can do those things. They just haven't. It's interesting to me that they don't do that. Sometimes the interesting event is the omission of an event. Well, that's that's part of this whole thing. Why it, Russia could go take those cities? Why aren't they? But can people get out? Like civilians or no, their they're soldiers? People from getting out. Yes. Okay. And the other part was the they've gone after the power. Okay. Well, but think about it. If you are a person who doesn't doesn't want to be found and knows that the person would have to be a lunatic to shoot at you, where would you run and think hunt for Red October? Because, remember, not all things in here react well to bullets. Like, if you need to hide from people that you don't want to be killed by or caught by, the best place you can go is to a place they can't send a hypersonic missile. Which I think the hypersonic missile thing is hilarious. So you think people are hiding out in their biolabs or in their nuclear reactors? I think any place that you can hide that you know an enemy will not shoot you, you should hide there. Which is probably why the hospitals are under fire. Either... (laughs) The dark horse in this is the Ukrainians shelling the hospitals. Like, that would be funny because those guys give zero fucks. They don't care. They'll shoot at anything. Uh, literal Nazis. I, but, yeah. I mean, so here's what you've done is you've contained them. They can't leave. Okay? You now regulate all their motion or you're able to surveil how they are moving within country. 
you know they have an illegitimate economy that they do business with us through, right? What if all you have to do now is sit back and watch? Russia? Sit yeah. back and watch? Yeah, I mean, I do think that's what most of this is. But, so that's, but that's on the premise of you believing that Putin is really a nationalist that is really just there to all for I think he Russia. wants vindication. It seems, uh, it seems like what he is doing is Russia-oriented, primarily Russia first. God knows if people give him ideas like that or if we bastardize that for ourselves, but he seems to be very Russia first. So he's been screwed over a whole bunch of times. If he caught somebody doing something that there was no way he could let them get away and the only way to go about it was unilateral action, there was a time when we would justify that action ourselves and we would see it that way. He's said as much. He hasn't said specifically because what is war? War is misdirection. You know, it would be really cool. What? Not by cool, I mean not cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> it is. What if the buy? What if this is just crazy conspiracy talk? What if the U.S. developed the coronavirus in and one of these Ukraine, labs in it? Ukraine? Yeah. Gave it to our military, took it over to the military well, games George, in Wuhan, and did, then we blame China for a virus we ever watch, the world with. Any of you guys watch George Webb on Twitter? I feel like I've seen him because he's, he's, oh, years he's, ago. He goes to some lengths that I think are just punk rock lunatic awesome. Like he's big on beating down the door of the UN and DITRA. Because these people move. They're a logistics chain. They are the United Nations... Defense Threat uh, Reduction of, uh, Agency or Authority, whatever. They're that logistics chain. So if you've got hazardous material, hazardous nuclear, biological material that needs to be moved between nations, they're the people who are going to do that work. Did you see the, the statement that Russia made, I about think it was Ditra? last night, about Ditra? Yeah. Say, if you guys are saying that all of this is propaganda, then can you explain their signature on, on, these, documents. on these documents? Yeah. Well, and Ditra has been very active. If, there, if we were doing coronaviruses, because we God knows that uh, Fauci funded that, because cancel me, bitch. I don't care. Uh, they don't even know who you are. That's, yeah, that's true. They definitely don't. I, it's not like I have separate FBI and CIA. I also here. don't think you should gender YouTube. Oh, come they on. They are they, them. You know, uh, don't cancel me. <laughs> CIA analysts are 80%. Has YouTube uh, stated what they would like to be referred to? No, no. so you just have to assume. But so don't anyway, assume. let's assume for, to some degree that Putin's a relatively competent individual. Okay, he knows that the United Nations is not his friend. He knows that Ditra is how you move materials because he watched Ditra disarm Ukraine. Right, same people. So then you take all these places that now have gain of you have eleven gain of function facilities inside Ukraine. Those were the first things he hit once he secured the borders. Like, he made sure that nobody got away from those places. And then he sent in people and secured those locations. Like, those are actually physically Russian manned at this point to the last thing I read. And I'm not going to cite my sources. I don't do that shit. Yeah, I don't have to. Well, but I think it, it, you get what Curry's saying, which basically, in his, his estimation, was this is a burning operation. Yeah, he's, you're, he's, they, he's they, locked something. He's trying to stop the burning operation. Yeah. Like, and that's just a theory because you can't prove it. And that's where all this stuff lies because this is where when you get the exactly. underbelly of how these 
it's how a these heavily, nations heavily circumstantial case. But they know. They talk to each other just like just like the politicians, just like Schumer and McConnell. It's like we know this. We know all these things to be true. But if you do this, we will say this. And if you do this, we will tell people about this. They've all got dirt on each other. So now the question is, if Putin gets all this stuff, you're never going to see the end result of that. Putin's not going to come out there and lay it on the, on the table Mo, in most cases. But this is getting more interesting because I think in the old way of the world, we, they would cut deals. They would they – would, basically like settling lawsuits. They would say we can't put this out to everybody. So already, we'll give you this. We've you already get established this. that our current regime is compromised yes. by these actions. Yes. And it, then it gets real weird from there. If he goes and has the receipts from that, he suddenly has completely compromised the, the, the last true – modern power on the planet because they're still rebuilding they're going to be rebuilding like when you go back and start to look at how we treated the post-soviet russian state for that 15 years it's amazing that they haven't attacked anybody before now because we we their their military age male uh uh, suicide rate hit like 30 percent for a while like it's incredible. Like their the male lifespan decreased fifteen years at one point. Fifteen years, plagues, wars, nothing has ever hit one society, one segment of society that hard. Like that's going from sixty five years old to fifty. Like think about what that means. That's all abuse and suicide. Like we literally head of the snake with them. When we organized in all of these different nations into NATO and substantiated their economies after the fact and then throws Russia out and then set up, uh, we knew that we couldn't really help Ukraine, but we knew that we couldn't let Ukraine help Russia. So we set up a fence in Ukraine to keep Russia in place just to watch them languish. And then Putin saw all this happen. What changed in that behavior that now he has the gall to push forward to get into that now. What was the trigger that happens now? Well, I think I think in my mind it's pretty obvious. I, I think that's that's the only motive that makes sense on why he would do it. It's Nationalism. because it, well, and because it's an opportunity for him to do exactly what he's tried to do all along, which is destabilize America. Because the reality is I don't it, think he gives two shits about America. I think I think he, he does care about America in terms of if you can bring them down or at least put them in their place. You get them out of your way. Well, I mean, if if he actually flipped the script on the progressive deep state, uh, America's not having it. If he actually showed the receipts, he doesn't have to worry about us for a while because he is not our problem. But that's okay. So, but that's let's let's go on the assumption that he comes away with this, and there's enough evidence that they put out on the table now to the world that even if the mainstream media and everybody tries to cover it up and say this is just conspiracies. Russian disinformation. Other theory. people will see it and say, "No, that's pretty legit." And so now, what am I supposed to think of my government? I we think already know what to think of our government. We most people on one side do know what to think about their government at this point because they they've seen this and they're not going to cower from saying, "I'm going to be forced into saying that the the last election cycle was legitimate." They're going to. I don't care what you guys say. War first, and so that's but that's the that's the ultimate crux of this to me. It's. And Curry made made reference to this too. It's if people really understood our constitution and understand the ins and outs of it and what it was for, I think our country was still set up correctly. We've just gotten so far away from how we've been 
well, how we were designed to operate. And so far away from the Monroe Doctrine and all these other things, it just said the whole point was let us, like, us do us. The don't tread on me should be universal. It, it should be the same for us to everyone else too. Live our lives here. Do our thing. Get out of everything else everywhere else in the world. It's not our responsibility. Okay. okay. First of all, for anybody who does watch, we keep referring to the Curry thing a lot. The, the, Terry's talking about the Glenn Beck. Is it Adam? Yeah. Curry yeah. Uh, podcast. It's like episode one, 132 or 312 or something like that. It was really good. It's on pretty much every single pod service that I've been able to find. Adam Curry is I think, really interesting. I think the topic of, it, of it is simply. does the war in Ukraine fast track oh, the yeah, yeah, great, reset. great Reset? And he talks about it, and he's much more generalities and platitudes. Like, he doesn't go weird world with it. Like, But it, because it's easier for yeah, general well, people to consume. The, the 100% no. Yeah. He doesn't delve off into my world. Yeah. Like the, the unprovable, yeah. but likely true. Yeah. The Tom Brady deflate gate. Yeah. More probable than not. And that's yeah. the thing. You can put a lot of these things together at this point. And I feel like there's a lot of people that if you've watched everything since 2016, at least, and really paid attention to how the media reacted to all these things. And, and obviously people that have been paying attention to longer, you can go back much further and watch all these things that were starting to trigger in the Obama, Obama administration. administration and why they would do some things that just didn't seem like they were in the best interest of the U.S., it all makes more sense when you start to look at all of this. And I think we didn't even touch on this. We're probably going to have to do a part two on this to just get into the Great Reset itself because that's really what all this is about. I think, I think it's smoke. I think the Great Reset is smoke. Uh, go back and – But listen. it's not really because it, – Okay, it's real. They want that. But they it, know we'll reject it, it so they have something else planned. Well, they're, no, they're, this is a this is sending, the money doesn't matter when they control the food. But when it's this, they're scared of us right now for some reason or another. Something happened that has them spooked about us. So every single avenue they. No, we voted for Trump in 2016. No, it's true social. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> but every single edifice that they are able to push a narrative with, they are pushing right now. Yeah, the Great Reset is one of them. Like, it's laid out. Like, all your uber nerds are into that shit. Like, all of your secular transhumanists, all of the Peter Singers of the world are like, well, fuck yeah, abandon humanity. Find a way to make sure this consciousness persists. Uh, okay, you lost the point of humanity. You're not really human anymore. Good luck with that. I'm going to sit here and, you know, not do that. But that's where interventionism comes in because the modern prog- or postmodern progressives were truly born with the art. He TR. was Teddy Roosevelt. Ah, uh-huh. awful piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, pretty terrible guy. And I'm he, doing a deep dive. Oh man, like it, okay, go to Hardcore History. CJ does a series on Woodrow um, Wilson. I'm gonna look into it more. And he gets into a, a lot of the reasons that the Wilsonian era shaped into what it was was because TR was a tremendous enabler. Her had already laid the groundwork for foreign intervention, and had already cowed the media into being into basically war porn so he did he he laid the very he did, he base did. level foundations he which is the Jesus opposite Christ of what they were doing to trump during the pandemic because they would scream for trump to Act, go after all these the things or but really what they wanted when they're pushing him go why aren't you doing mass mandates why aren't you doing all these things because they wanted him to be the one to set the precedence so it'd make it easier for them to, to cow the section of po- yeah. population they didn't yeah. have control over. Yeah. But understand the base level of intervention. Look, the same people who this demanded that we intervene in Iraq and Afghanistan for 20 years then said, well, we kind of sort of failed at that. But what we're going to do is intervene on your behalf direct- directly on every single personal interaction you have. 
What's going to make you any more successful at that level that has the, mi- the macro as the micro? Why does any of your credential bullshit make sense for me in my personal life? I don't care if I'm an abject idiot. The point of life is there is an inherent risk of death. If you can't handle that, uh, I thought the point of this was social Darwinism. Like, if there are people too stupid to survive, some of them aren't going to survive. And in the end, that makes the net human organism, the genetic code, stronger in the end. It's cruel that life works out like that. But that's the way the human organism ultimately works. Well, we're, cir- we're circumventing all biology and all survivalism, all competition. By trapping you in a digital hell that you have to pay for heaven. Well, they're erasing heaven, and they're making... No, no, they're no, making no, no. The, no the, the, there was... Don't make it that cheap and easy. There will be ways to work for them for the things you want within this digital planet. That's what we do now. Well, yeah, but think as about... Long as, as long as you're a good boy and work within their system now, then you can have all the things you want. Well, yeah, but imagine now it's in your head, and you can't escape it, and you can't turn it off, and you can't turn the lights off. They can wake you up. They can play ads in your head. They can... Uh, that moment of intimacy you may be sharing with a loved one. Uh, they're there for that. And they're playing ads in your head for that too. Like, and if you want that to go away, you're probably going to pay for that too. So all of these things still demand payment. Everything is transactional at this level. Everything. But if money is, but what is the payment anymore? Because we, uh, th- it doesn't matter because currency and value aren't the same. Thing. I think it'll just become our manpower. We'll become slaves, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's called human capitalism. China's already doing it, but it's just the rudimentary version. Yeah. So that that's the goal is to make us robots. Well, they're gonna it, it's organic literal, robots. Well, it's a literal hive mind. Because I actually think they're gonna farm us for data. Yeah, but can't you make the same argument to say? Think about what AI. Well, we're already can, there, though. Do you know what the human mind is really po- or capable of doing? That no. Machines can't. We take in information rapidly. We can assess danger rapidly. We can. We are a multi-sensory input system. You, that's why the, the center cone of your eyes is all that sees color. Everything out here, you see in black and white. Because your brain uses too much information just in the color focus. Like me, let's stare. Your brain has optimum usage of inputs and data to make it a linear story so that you can remember details in the moment. Machines can't do that. They take in everything or they take in nothing. So we would be the quantum computing for their algorithms and artificial intelligence. Until they have replicated our, our strength and then they can get rid of it. It's a space constraint. We do it in an extremely energy-dense system. For them to do that, you're talking about something the size of this room. At first, gotta keep buying up all the targets. And but why? Why make something? Why invest in something that you can get so cheap? Because I think that. Why buy the cow? Well, I think that they ultimately are still. I feel bad with it right here. <laughs> like I've already said some. Had, yeah. <laughs> I've already said some. That's why I just gave the first one. <laughs> Mall rats. God, too bad Kevin Smith turned out to be that. Uh, yeah. Vegans. Well, we do need to probably wrap this one up. We're in, uh, I think, about an hour and a half today. I think we'll have to try to get Vern back out for another episode. I think we need to, to talk a little bit more about the money. I think it's going to be interesting. I think something's going to come of the of the Russia stuff. I think we're going to start to see these next two weeks. I think it's just going to keep being more weirdness. I have an idea. It's Let, not going to be Russia goes in and wins all of a sudden. Let's... I mean, we don't know when we'll have the opportunity to get Thomas Watson, Vern Burgundy again. So let you're burning through all of them. (laughs) 
You're doing it faster than defense. <laughs> well, now you got to burn Tom Watson. I know. Gosh. No one knows. Have you ever watched, what was that stupid show with Matt Bomer where, uh... White collar, yeah, yeah. Burning like through, that. burning through front. my fucking aliases, man. Yeah, right, as, well, as, let's, well, let's, we'll end part one because I need to get another drink and do some other stuff, anyways. I know Josie's ready to gouge her eyeballs out. She didn't know what she was sitting in on today. Sorry, sorry. I thought we tried warning her. It does seem like there was a net warning put down, but all right, she well, got part, it out. So we're coming back. We'll end part one, and we'll we'll get part two out to everybody at some point in the next following week. All right, we'll see you guys then. Chicken McNuggets, shut the fuck up.